Welcome to the Mum Mind podcast, or how to stop your mother falling out of your mouth. I am Steph McSherry. I'm a mum of two. I'm creator of Kinderama, which is a multi-activity program for younger kids, and I've been doing that for about 20 years. Hello, I'm Bethan O'Riordan. I'm a mum of three, and I'm a psychotherapist, and I run the Camp Parenting Club, and I have been supporting families for over 15 years. So each week, Steph and I will answer one of your parenting questions. If you have a question you want us to answer, email us themummind at gmail.com. And a teeny tiny favour to ask just before we get started is wherever you listen to this podcast, could you please follow or subscribe as that really helps us create more amazing, useful, free content for you guys. So the question is, I feel really guilty being a working, being a mum who works. I'm torn in many directions. Oh, yeah. I think anyone that's a, a working mum in any capacity, well, I, actually, I'd say all mums feel guilty in some capacity about everything. Does it just come with the territory? Yeah, I mean, even reading out the question, I can actually feel the guilt inside. Yeah. It's a really real thing. So I might start by... um I might start with the therapeutic understanding of what guilt is, Ooh, if that's please. okay. Yeah. So if we kind of break everything down a little bit, everything that we do is for a reason and everything, all our feelings we feel is for a reason. And that reason is to keep us alive. You know, evolution has developed human beings so we can keep on trucking um, through all different kinds of physical, emotional and mental adversity. So if you think of some of an emotion like disgust, disgust was evolutionary designed within us to stop us eating things that would poison us. So when your kids say the broccoli is disgusting, as we discussed last week, um, that is just something in their system telling them like, oh, that's not good for me. But it's not a real cognitive thing. And guilt is kind of similar, but different. So guilt is the part of us as human beings that stops us doing any harm to each other. If we didn't have a, a, a gauge inside of us to say to us, gosh, I better not, better not do that thing. That would really hurt somebody else. We would be even crazier than we already are. We would be hurting each other even more than we already do. Um, left, right and centre. So that is what gauge is. G uh, sorry, that is what guilt is. Guilt is our internal gauge to make us do no harm. Now, the tricky thing, like all of our emotions, they don't have a lovely beginning and an end. They don't just kind of like, oh, I better do. I will feel this feeling and then I will switch it off now. We have to teach our feelings how to behave and when we need them. So rather like a toddler guilt just does its own thing <laughs> it's it's kind of like it's like these were built to serve us in a previous time it's like the fight or flight thing right but yeah. nowadays in our modern living they're not quite so useful so if if you're getting that flight or fight or flight reaction when a, an email comes in that's not great it's not a tiger it, it you know so it's the same with guilt, I guess, is it? That, you know, it was designed for us not to go around killing each other or clubbing each other over the head. But nowadays we feel it in a lot more, a lot, you know, different ways. Yeah, I think so. And I think it kind of comes back to the old adage, doesn't it? Of do women and mums have it all? What is having it all? You know, because I think guilt can be really helpful. I know for me personally, if I feel bad about something in relation to my kids, 
that generally is a really good sign for me that things aren't in balance in the way I want them to be. So I listen to it because I've worked really hard to cultivate my life over the last 11 years. I mean, crumbs, what an old woman I'm turning into. But I've cultivated my life through a series of decisions so that now when I feel guilty, I'm like, okay, was I doing too much of this or was I doing too much of that? When really I wanted to be playing with the kids, you know? So I, I think I think guilt is is really complicated. Yeah, and I guess in the same way, if you feel guilty about something you've said or done, that's probably just to tune in and listen to that and say, hmm, am I feeling guilty for a reason? Maybe I shouldn't have said or done on that. Um, yeah. I know I've, I've recently, I can't remember what it was over, but I've definitely recently had that with my daughter where actually we both did because we'd said and done a few things over whatever it was. But I came back to her and said, sorry, I was tired. I shouldn't have said it like that this is how I meant to say it but it was because of that mum guilt that I did it yeah. and listened to it and kind of thought yeah I didn't like the way I handled that but this is slightly different I guess when you're going out to work it's not something we should feel guilty about or is it that we do feel guilty about it oh it's all of the above isn't it I think it's a really tricky thing to balance because I mean, growing up, I went to school, I finished school, I was told, you know, you should go to college, and then you should get a job. And I was like, wow, I did. And I had a great life. Oh, my gosh, did I have a great life before the kids? Not that I don't now, but it's different. I mean, Thursday night out in Dublin was a, an amazing night to be out in Dublin. And, you know, I had this amazing, I had more money, I had more time. And then I became a mom. And all of the previous, I don't know, from... <laughs> I had my first when I was 28, I think. So from when I was four up until I was 28, I knew what I was supposed to be doing in life. I was supposed to work hard and get a job. And I did. And then I became a mom. And I was like, well, how do I fit in two jobs? How do I yeah. fit in the full-timeness of motherhood to the full-timeness of the job that I worked? And before we came on air, I was just telling you about, I don't know whether anyone saw it, but you should go and look it up. Shonda Rhimes. I can't remember what college it was in America, but she was doing the graduation speech. And she said this brilliantly powerful bit that, you know, if she was at an amazing opening of a film, it meant she was missing her kids' bedtime stories. And if she was watching her daughter's play, it meant she was missing the second day of filming on the set of something she created. In other words, no matter where she was, she felt guilty about it. And I think that's the balance. You know, she said from the outside in, they'd say, oh, you've got it all. But she's, she was basically saying, you can bet your bottom dollar that I only have it all because I miss out on some things in one department and then I miss out on things on another because you just cannot have it all. Yeah. And a lot of the time in therapy, we talk about having, not having it all in that context, but holding both. So like on one hand, I feel guilty. And on the other hand, I get great fulfillment for what I'm doing in that moment. So it's not like it's not like there's a payoff. It's not like there's an either or. It's just that there is both, you know, and there is allowed to be both. We don't have to be only one thing. I don't have to be only guilty or I don't have to be only really enjoying what I'm doing. I can I can I can do both. And the best way to tolerate internally 
that feeling and sensation and all the crazy thoughts that come with that of both is to, to start to cultivate or keep cultivating your inner compassionate self. So your compassionate self is the part of you that understands why you find things hard and is committed to helping you. So the voice doesn't have to be only guilty or only, I'm going to say enjoyment just for keeping it easy. Please insert your own. The compassionate part would say, Bethan, I get it. I get why you miss the times when you don't put your kids to bed. But I also get it when you're at the cinema with Mel on a Saturday and you're having a great old time. I get it. So it's almost like that internal gauge, that internal barometer and that is often something that we have not been taught. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that growing up. I didn't know that I could be impartial to what I was feeling. I didn't know that I had all these voices, some which were helpful, some which were unhelpful. And I think it's essential to the work of being a mother that we develop that other gauge because that other gauge, the compassionate one, will always have your best interest at heart. I've often heard you say if you treat yourself like your best friend would. Yeah. So if your best friend walks into the room and you tell her, look, I'm feeling really guilty because I'm at work this many hours and then I'm feeling guilty because I'm not doing this with the kids, what would your best friend say? And I bet your bottom dollar it wouldn't be, well, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. <laughs> it's just not, is it? They, they they listen to you with a compassionate ear and, yeah. and say that you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. And we've got and to start doing that for ourselves more. Yeah. And it's really hard. You know, I can be a lot kinder. We all it's easier to be kinder to other people than it is to ourselves. And that is because we learned that perhaps along the way that being kind to ourselves is weak, hippy dippy, airy fairy. We're not worthy of it. We've got imposter syndrome. We've actually we've done all these really bad things. So I better not be kind to myself or that we won't succeed or that it's not strength, but it's actually the ultimate in strength. And yeah, so what I do is I say to people, well, imagine your friends or imagine, because when we imagine something, it has the same impact on our brain as if it's happening. Um, so you don't have to believe it. And this is where affirmations kind of fall down a bit for me, because what if I look in the mirror and say I'm a strong, independent woman, but I don't believe I'm a strong, independent woman. But if all you had to do was imagine it, you know, and so I think back to the question about, you know, I feel so guilty. I feel so torn. Yeah, absolutely. I get all of that. I get all of that personally, professionally. But if you can try and create a voice inside that helps you understand that, then that's really powerful. Yeah, I think that's essential. I think there's a practical piece, just the way that question is phrased as well, you know, to make sure that if you have to have a job either for your own sanity or financially or both, that it is working as far as time spent away from your family and the balance that you want in your life, right? There can't be anything much worse than having to be in some a job that you don't enjoy for God knows how many hours a week and be away from your kids and feeling guilty about that. There has to be a balance in that department. Yeah, like you have to feel nourished. Yes. You know, there has to be, it has to be worth your while. And I remember I quit the last time I was employed by somebody. Um, I re <laughs> I'll never forget. 
this social care student came into, I worked in the addiction services here in Cork and this social care student came in and she was so perky and she was like, I, I've got so many ideas. I'm going to change, <laughs> I'm going to change the social care field. And in that moment, I realized I wasn't her anymore, but I used to be. And I also realized that after childcare, I made five euros an hour <laughs> to, to, to yeah. sit because I had three children in crash, right? Yeah. And mortgage and all the rest of it. So I made five euros an hour to sit in what I think is probably the hardest work I've ever done. And I quit that day. I didn't tell my husband financially. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I also know that our family were so much better for it. And sometimes that makes me a bit sad in terms of women's and women's rights, because I think it's a really, and I'm not saying if you're a working mom and you don't enjoy your job, you should quit. You should quit immediately, you know. No, we definitely did not say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No. But I, I think, you see, you know, I know that for me working, I was really stressed as well. I was more stressed out. And this is this is the really difficult thing is that children absorb stress in a family unit. It comes out as anxiety. It comes out as behaviors that are really tricky. So, yes, having fulfillment in your job is absolutely essential and developing because remember, we're always developing coping skills. I mean, I'm a therapist, oh, oodles of years now. It doesn't mean I'm a sealed and done deal. I'm always trying to figure out how I can make life more balanced. But if we can learn to develop the skills for job stress here, switching off the phone here, because what kids really need is the quality, not the quantity. So, you know, I support many moms who travel. They're in America one week, one week a month, then they come home, they're you know, riddled with jet lag, then they have to, you know, report their findings of their week away. So it's busy. And that is okay because the quality is going to sound really like um, mathematical, but the, the quality of their engagement with their child, because they listen to the podcast on their way home, um, which helps them decompress. So it means then they have a snack so they're not starving. It means then when they walk in the door, they can be mom. They're not mom with phone attached to hand or mom really worried about something. And that takes a while, but that is the managing the guilt as well. Yeah, so I guess the trick is to be able to do that. Be that, I don't know, that you get online shopping, that you get a takeaway once a week, whatever it is. You have loads of meals prepped in the freezer so that the time that you do have at home is well spent. Yeah, that's it. And well spent is whatever it means to you. You know, I think the double-edged sword of Instagram is that we see so many people doing so many lovely things. You know, today we went for a nature walk and, you know, crumbs. Most people are just trying to find a clean not even pair of socks, just two socks, you know. We were going to say pair of knickers then. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's very honest of you, Bethan. <laughs> yes, I will never lie to our audience. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I think it is about lowering expectations and being realistic. You know, there's 24 hours in a day. I had a great chat with a mum, well, session with a mum recently where she was saying, so Beth and I can get to bed at midnight by the time I've unwind for an hour after I've got all the kids in bed, sorted their pack lunches, checked for the two socks for the next day. I get to bed at midnight and that's OK for her. 
And she says, the only time in my day I could fit in the gym is if I got up at five in the morning. Do I go to the gym? I said, well, it's your choice, but no. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and again, this is back to pressures for women, isn't it? I now must exercise. I must do this. I must do that. So some people I work with, they make the most of their lunch breaks. They would walk for the full hour and eat their lunch at their desk. I don't know, Tara, who we spoke to last week, would she say that was a terrible idea eating at your desk? I don't know, but it's figuring out what works for you. Yeah. You know, and, and making the most of the time that you can. Staring the slow cooker whilst squatting, that kind of thing. Okay. In the dance. 100% stuff. But, but it's all the pressure, isn't it? It's like that um, headline recently about the New Zealand Prime Minister. I think it was the BBC who quickly retracted it saying, oh, women can't have it all. It's just like, oh, God, you know, after all she'd done and after all the barriers she'd broken as a working mum, you know, breastfeeding in Parliament, doing all of that amazing stuff came down to that one sentence. Oh, women can't have it all. Yeah. I just wanted to reach through the screen and grab whoever wrote it and say, what are you doing? You're undoing all that hard work. And she's actually, for a change, kind of being honest and saying, actually, I'm done now, like you with your job in addiction services. I can't bring a fresh face to this anymore. Yeah, I don't have the capacity for it. So now I need to walk away. Mm. And there is something that changes in motherhood, isn't there? Well, there was for me anyway, you know, I worked in the addiction and homeless services, which is pretty full on in many regards. And, you know, I could, and it was totally fine. And then when I became a mom, I felt things differently. People's Mm. stories were sadder. They, I was impacted emotionally more. And that is something about being a mom, isn't it? I do think you can get an incredible drive when you're a parent as well. I do look back at my previous 10 years and go, what was I doing? (laughs) That was just my I was still running the business, but now my hours are so much more productive. Yeah. You know, I, and that drive is for my kids because I want to get the work done in this period of time so that I can be with you. And I don't mean be with you and make Play-Doh castles and gallivant off into the forest. It's not that, it's just hang out with you, you know, watch Gilmore Girls my daughter's into at the moment, or, you know, play chess or Lego or whatever it is, you know, even if it's just five, 10 minutes of, of spending that quality time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you see, it's those five, 10 minutes that are essential. Because another question that I get asked a lot is about children seeking services to help them co-regulate, to help them regulate their emotions. Sorry. Oh, I just just I just did a spoiler then. Um, (laughs) The answer is. (laughs) Answers on the back of a postcard, please. That, you know, I think anything that helps anybody is really good. But people often say to me, you know, my six year old did six weeks of play therapy and it didn't change them at all. They're still angry. They're still frustrated. They still cry at the drop of a hat. They still. And I say, yeah, I know. But you see, co-regulation only happens through us as parents. And the best way for co-regulation is not to sit down and ask, are you okay? Has anything gone on at school today? Those are important things to ask. But children don't really work like that. It's when we play with them that they co-regulate. And sometimes the the conversations happen then. And sometimes they don't. But it's that we've created safety by being with them. So 
and that happens in different ways like we play indoor tennis in our household I know I didn't think I'd be saying this either but we have like a plastic tennis racket and these really soft balls and just the process of the rhythm of the hitting and the right and the left and the da 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 that's for one of my children yeah it just really 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 helps to bring things down to a point where they came in with all this tension a couple of rounds later and we're feeling okay and that's without me saying what went on today and I think that the mums who suffer with mum guilt feel that they're missing out on information feel that they're missing out on how do I know and I so if this is you Don't find out by necessarily just asking. I'm not saying not to ask, but do it through a process of play. So you might even figure that out in your head. You know, okay, so I'm going to come home on Monday with the first child. I'm going to do this with the second child. I'm going to do this. And for five minutes, as 15 minutes, if you've got three kids, you know, and and that is it. That is all children need. Um, I guess there's a little bit of... um... If you are feeling that guilt, that then the time that you do have with them becomes pressurized. Like I felt when you were saying that, you know, I can imagine somebody walking through the door at like half five, six o'clock going, so tell me about your day because we've only got an hour. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've got to go to bed and we've got to do all these things. But I guess it's like I love just having the kids at the kitchen table when I'm cooking dinner and they can be doing whatever they could be watching a screen they could be doing their homework they could be talking to me they could be putting on music is a good one at the moment mm. and i oh, i still love now obviously depending on the age of your kids but i still hold the holy grail for me sometimes is a bath and it's not necessarily for me but for my kids too i put my son in the bath yesterday I made him a salt bath actually and he laid in that and he wanted some music on so from his bedroom next door we put the music on we turned it up really loud and then i went back downstairs but he was there in that bath for ages and he came down a new child yeah. now i wasn't with him but he just needed that yeah he but you facilitated that. that yeah that's the thing you facilitated it and, and again for me if i go into therapy mode a little bit here what we're talking about is the different versions of us I remember, oh my gosh, do I remember when I lived in Dublin and I had to cycle home, pray, really like hugely pregnant. And I had to get my son from creche before it closed. And the oh. more pregnant I was getting, the slower my cycling was becoming. Funnily enough. So the, <laughs> I had to strap him into the toddler seat on the back, cycle him home, get up the three flights of stairs with oh no God. lift, provide a dinner. Da, da, da. So I get that. I get that feeling yeah. of like, <gasps> It's half five or then maybe you have to take them like swimming or some total curveball like that. But we're back to the versions of us. Is your guilty version the one that's falling in the door that wants to know the information? Is it the really overwhelmed version or is it the compassionate one that's like, look, I get it. You have an hour, but you have an hour to be. So how do you want to be with your kids? And that's that's the thing that will help people. Yeah, I know. I can feel that old bugbear of homework cropping up again you know the these circumstances where we perhaps tune in and say look we just didn't get homework done today and to not worry about that either yeah yeah and reduce all expectation it's funny I saw a petition online today I meant to share it by the journalist Jen Hogan um a change to stop stop homework I think I'm not sure yeah but do you know what do you know what I'm thinking of um 
something that's really, really common that people say to me about being a working mum is, is that their mums put pressure consciously, unconsciously on them to keep being a working mum. And I think that is as, often, as in like the nan or the granny. Yeah, and is that because they didn't have that opportunity? I think so. I mean, yeah. I've honestly, honestly, I've never spoken to a granny or a mum about it. Mm. But I can imagine, I can imagine that's why it is. It's kind of, you know, we fought so hard that you didn't have to quit your work when you became a mum. Yes. And I was talking about this at, at an event recently. Some of that guilt, I feel, comes from the fact that our mums didn't work or most of our mums didn't or worked in a part-time capacity and were at home. I think some of that guilt is kind of filtered down to us. Would that make any sense? Yeah, but I think now it would be a choice. Now it would be a choice not to work, whereas before perhaps it wasn't. But like we spoke about last time, maybe we speak about it every time, I don't know, it's in our DNA. Mm. So your mum's DNA is in your DNA. Same for me. So I do have that part that really feels that I know what it was like in some way to fight for the rights, to fight for the equality, to stay working you know yeah it's tricky it's tricky stuff and I think you know it is tricky to to think that and then say well I just won't work and 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 all we've talked about is women and this juggle and this struggle isn't it funny yeah but you know what I can honestly say everything in almost everything in my house is 50 50 really which yeah genuinely absolutely 100 percent I, I think always, that's quite rare though, is it? I I think so. Yeah. I think it's hugely rare. But it's happened over the last decade. Okay. It didn't just happen that like all of a sudden things are 50-50. I got asked a really good question once. Someone said to me, how can I be better at sharing the emotional load when my husband just isn't as good at me as doing stuff? <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I found it and the husband was sitting beside her at the time as well and it wasn't it wasn't in a therapy session it was just a chat that was having and um, I said I think you've answered your own question there you know we have to to we don't have to send it awful but to move forward with what's hard it's about helping people upskill so at the minute one of our cars the oil tank is totally goosed on it and we can't drive it I did not know how to jack up the car, find the oil tank. I couldn't identify an oil tank in a million years, but my husband could. And so if 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 I upskill to become him, it's going to take a process of me getting it wrong and being slow and not doing it as exactly I would have done it myself. So is there room for that within relationships as well? Yeah, and I do think there's that (laughs) there's that part where if you if like my household I would do the lion's share of the kids stuff and it becomes overwhelming at points yeah and it takes an extra effort to bring your partner on board with what's happening it's far easier to just get it all done and say oh where is me I'm doing it all but actually it takes an extra I need to talk to you I need to sit down with you I need to bring you on board with what's going on yeah Yeah, it absolutely does. But also what we're mirroring to children is, is relationships. 
you know, we're mirroring to children. This is how, and I'm really conscious that we're talking about this kind of 1950s mom and dad style setup mm. of a family. You know, of course, families take, oh, they, they can be anything, right? But just in this situation, we're mirroring to children. This is how relationships are, you know? I, I So can we mirror to children that yes mom does everything or can we mirror that if the other partner is around how can we spread the emotional load a bit more like I had to leave the whatsapp all the whole family voted that I needed to leave all the whatsapp groups for the GAA because I kept getting the times wrong of the matches (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say your family voted to leave you out of the whatsapp group it's going to be like oh dear it's gone horribly wrong. That's that's an awkward one, Bethan. <laughs> um, no, and, and I was like, yeah, do you know what, guys? I get really stressed out with the WhatsApp because there's so many messages and, you know, the trainers <sighs> say, only reply if you can't make it. And everyone replies saying, I can make it. <laughs> so you've got like, yeah. ah, I just couldn't cope and I was missing stuff. So, I mean, my husband now does all the WhatsApp groups for the kids. Well, that sounds like heaven. I even just had a message just before we came on saying there are two children that we have not had their photo. And I was like, oh, one of them's me. (laughs) (laughs) Here I am. Yes, I'll do that. Yeah, And and, and I think it's about being realistic with things. I mean, I'm an amazing cook. I can hand on heart. If anyone wants to come over for dinner, guys, you will have a fine spread. And my husband, when I met him, he could make pasta, pork and peas, the three peas. (laughs) together so, to get yes sometimes oh, as okay. one sometimes as separate so, you know there's there's many ways to have pasta pork peas <laughs> and so over the years we've together sat down and said right well what do you want to make what's like a realistic thing mm. you know and now he makes beautiful food more importantly that the kids all eat you know yeah. these really lovely stews that are really nourishing so after I finish this podcast I know my dinner will be made for me you know, but that's been through a process of things being burned and saying, don't worry about it. We'll have fried eggs and waffles tonight and it being OK. Yeah. It not being a stick I use to beat him with, you know, yeah. fried eggs and waffles again. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it is a conversation piece, isn't it? You know, within a relationship, you know, or within within the partnership of parenting, how can you share the emotional and logistical load? And what I would say as well as a kind of caveat to that, but it, it really is a whole podcast in its own right, is, is that in the therapy room, I see it a lot when when one woman or the woman in the relationship has a baby the other partner feels abandoned Mm. they feel abandoned because now all the attention has gone somewhere else and then then it's hard but it, it happens to everybody okay this happens to always the other partner the other parent so I think then it's it's a little harder to come back. Well, let's share responsibilities. And the other person is feeling totally abandoned at sea. But I would say this is all part of the developing the relationship of becoming a family. You know, but I just wanted to say that. Does that make sense? Yes, it did make sense. And okay. I guess over time, you slowly come back. That changes because at the beginning, the, the baby is so needy. They, you know, they need you to stay alive. So it's all encompassing. And gradually, there's a, a letting go of yeah. that. The, the kids hopefully become more independent and you have more time to nurture your relationship. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of families, they co-sleep with their kids or one parent will put one kid to bed, the other, the other, and then you're so totally yeah. exhausted you just you fall, fall asleep. asleep in the pepper bunk, yeah. pepper bunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wake in up the... in a poor patrol bed like this yeah. <laughs> exactly in the most uncomfortable position yeah. ever so there does I mean it's really tough work keeping a relationship going and being a parent and being a working mum so if we go back to our original question I guess the first kind of practical point would be to make sure that your job is rewarding you and nourishing you in some way yeah if you're purely in it for financial reason reasons not just ditching the job but maybe looking into the possibility of finding a more nourishing job that could also be financially rewarding yeah that makes sense if if, if that's what you you want and then not talking yourself out of the guilt but re-addressing it re-looking at it and kind of talking to yourself a little bit yeah being realistic being realistic that it's there right and it does exist and that you do feel it but not letting it run the show yeah um developing this more kinder more helpful voice and then the kind of bit that I, I would add on to our roundup of today's podcast is that voice will then help you to be realistic around your expectations. Because one of the biggest problems why we get into overwhelm is that we've set the bar too high. You know, so we have to be realistic given the time, the energy, the finances, where we're at in our lives as to what we can actually do and how we can actually be with our kids. And remember, it's the quality, not the quantity. And the biggest thing that children need is for the parents to be generally okay within themselves. And that's it. Mic drop. Mic drop, toodaloo. <laughs> Off to have my lunch. <laughs> Perfect. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Kinderama is a multi-activity programme for younger kids. It's full of music, imaginative play, adventures, ball skills, dance, drama, and all for the under sixes. We have an online programme at kinderama.com and if you use the discount code MUMMIND20, you can have 20% off an annual membership. If you'd like the answers to help your child with their emotions or behaviours, or if you're ready to become the parent and person you'd like to be, then start your free seven-day trial in the Camp Parenting Club by going to my website, bethanoreardon.com.